0: Of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everybody. If you're just now tuning in because of daylight savings time, you're just in time, way to go <laughs> for all of you who, who made it. Doesn't this? Don't you have a little bit of like, hey, we got up on time? There's a little bit of that. We can hang over other people's heads this morning. That's all right. Um, well, if you are into awkward conversations with Jesus, uh, this morning is your morning. Uh, did you hear this text of back and forth between this woman? and our Lord. Uh, We find Jesus and the disciples taking a detour for no apparent reason, it seems, into a sort of of out-of-the-way town, and we have this really bizarre encounter at the well. Jesus, if I remind you, is a single Jewish man, a rabbi, striking up a conversation with a serially divorced Samaritan woman alone at a well at noon. The layers of this are totally scandalous and interesting. Um, See, at noon, uh, she came to the well at the time of day when people don't go to the well. You go in the morning, you go in the evening, you don't go when it's hottest, when the sun is right overhead. So people who would go to the well at this time could be hiding something from others or avoiding people, commonly. As a Samaritan, she was considered by the Jews to be contaminated with pagan ideas and practices. Strike two, right? And as a woman it would have been inappropriate for her to speak with anyone outside of her family, let alone a man, alone, in the middle of the day, outside of town or at the well. As a multiple-time divorcee, she was caught between needing to be married to eat and survive and pay the bills and carrying the shame and scandal of divorce, like a scarlet letter. Can you see already how tricky, how complicated this is, how interesting this is? It's as if the gospel writer is very aware that layer after layer of challenges rests on this woman's life. She is what we could call a three-time second-class citizen. Imagine this. Samaritan woman, multiple divorces. Her compounding social categories, categorizations of an ethno-religious, gender, and social standing as a divorcee surely create in her life overlapping systems of exclusion and judgment and burden and discrimination and disadvantage. I'm naming these things because if we don't really name these things, I'm not sure we can actually see this woman that Jesus is talking to. And why, for even John, the gospel writer, he's saying, no, this is a big deal. There's something going on here. Maybe this is all why, all these layers on her life, this is why she's at the well at noon alone. I think we ought to take care of interpreting this story, um, noticing things like this, and in a few key ways. I think it's really important that we treat this text with some care. And I want to point out some of these things before we jump in. Number one, uh, we should resist the tendency uh, for some of us to read ourselves into this story in her place, in ways that overlook the seriousness and the troubles that actually burden this woman's life. For instance, some of us might be able to relate this to this woman in some way, some sort of burdened, troubled way. But for most of us, and certainly for me, it would be disingenuous for me to identify with her plight, to put myself at the well and make the point of this story, Jesus sees me. He knows my past. He really gets me. She is very other than me, actually. So I should be careful not to read myself into her place. This is really critical to name. Why? Number two. If I can identify myself in this story, honestly, it is most likely the community that is not present at the well with her. The community that she is likely excluded from, looked down on, or distanced from. There are unstated rules in communities, right, in societies. Unstated lines that we draw, and this woman has crossed at least three of them. She's very other than me. And this is precisely why this story is so scandalous. Why? Number three, when we appreciate how other this woman is, how outside this woman has been made to be, we can finally ask the most important question of this story. This is it. Who is the God who goes out of his way to encounter this other? To prioritize, in fact, meeting with her, not the rest of the community not someone else. This was very out of the way. Who is the God who goes out of the way to meet with those on the outside, those pushed out, those alone? Do you see this? So reading this story well, I'm convinced she's actually our invitation into this story, this woman, when she says to her village and maybe to us this morning, come and see a man who told me everything that I've ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? This, that's for us to hear. The same invitation that Jesus once made to his disciples. Do you remember this? Does it sound familiar? She now makes to the community of which she seems to be the outsider. Come and see. This is mind-blowing, friends. You realize what has happened in this story. The result of this. God has made out of this troubled, excluded, judged, pushed-out outsider his messenger of his presence. To us, this God chose, for instance, an enslaved people, not an empire, the Hebrews, not Egypt, to bless all the peoples of the earth. He chose the rejected younger brothers, Joseph, who would be, and and also David, who would be King David. He chose a non Egyptian, Uh, I'm sorry, he chose a non Egyptian, um, but not Hebrew enough as well, Moses. kind of live in between worlds right he chose prostitutes he chose tax collectors to follow him to be his closest friends he chose the poor on the outskirts of town he chose lepers to demonstrate the glory and presence of god he chose unclean women widows those grieving and lost to describe the reality of God's inbreaking kingdom. He chose Samaritans. He chose women. He chose divorcees in this story. Wow, friends. The truth is... Who, who is this God? The truth is, this is the God who entered the world among outcasts. Among, among the outsiders. Who chose, not just sort of by accident... ...to identify with them. No, he entered the world on purpose... ...among the poor... ...among the outsiders... ...among the oppressed... ...among those that are excluded from the centers... ...of society and community. Our God chose to be revealed among them. What does that say about him? St. Paul writes... ...but God chose what is foolish in the world... ...to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world... ...to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world... Things that are not, to reduce to nothing things that are. So that no one might boast in the presence of God. Who is this God? I get goosebumps thinking about this. I think this is good news for us, isn't it? Our Lord entered the world with and for the rejected and alone. And we see it in this story. And he himself would be abandoned by his friends. He himself would be that rejected and alone person who would die among thieves on the outside of town. He didn't just enter the world with the outsiders. He died as an outsider. Why? Who is this God that meets with the meek and lowly that we've made outsiders? Who is this God who meets with them and becomes one with them? Becomes so wholly other than us and dies so wholly other than us. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? Finally, she sees that this man sitting with her at the well is a prophet because he's, he's like reading her story. He's reading her mail. He knows what's going on with her life, right? And he says in verse 23, our Lord says, The hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And after all this, she confesses, I know you're a prophet. I know what you're getting at here. I know the Messiah is coming, to which Jesus replies with the words that we have not heard since Moses and that bush that would not go out but was lit with fire. I am he. In Greek, it's actually easier to see. Ego e I am. Recognize that? The woman runs to tell her city everything that has just happened. Come and see the man who told me everything I've ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? This woman, what an amazing story. There's so many things here we could talk about this morning. She comes to a well with thirsts in her soul that no bucket of water could quench. In Jesus, she found living water that quenches all of her thirsts forever. She came as an outsider. She met a man that didn't need to exploit or marry her to restore her for the first time in her life. Goodness. I don't know why that touches on a nerve. She came marginalized by others and ran back as a herald with reconciling news for others. Who is this God? The conditions that made this woman a scandal, Jesus, he flips on us, making our outsiders his insiders. Scandalizing what we decide made scandalous to scandalize that as well. You fools. And right there, in our sin that, that we push others out with, and right there in our weakness that drives others out and us out, in all of the fractured relationships of our lives and everything we do in this world that leads to sin and death, exactly in that mess, exactly in that mess, where we make for ourselves burdens that we heap on other people, the judgment, the violence, and the selfishness, right there, exactly in that mess. Or perhaps you should say, we're exactly on that hill outside the city walls, in that troubled and lonely place, we find the God who becomes the outcast in order that we would be reconciled to the Father. Amen? Come on, somebody say amen to this. Goodness gracious. His body is broken, that ours would be healed. We find Jesus Christ, our Lord, who justifies us, not the way the world justifies people, but through his most precious blood, through faith, we are set right before him and with God, and therefore with others. Come on. Friends, if this is true... If this is the God that we encounter this morning at this well, who reads our mail and reconciles us to the Father through his blood, not by the way we justify ourselves coming up here thinking, well, you know, I'm not so bad. No, 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 no. None of that flies. This is the God who reconciles even people like us. And not by what we have done, but through faith in his death, through the blood of his cross, we are welcomed to eat at his table. Whew. So let us then leave behind all that defensive sort of pride that we have about ourselves, that image of ourselves, the justified ways that we prop up in our own ego. And instead, let's leave that behind and meet with him this morning at the well that endures forever at this table. Where his words cut through us and nourish our sinful souls that we too might say, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this truly is the Savior of the world. Amen? Friends, as we come to the table, I want to invite you to reflect. What are the ways in which I'm drawing lines in order to justify myself? What are the ways that the communities that I'm a part of draw lines that exclude and harm other people in order to justify ourselves as sort of a a holy few, a correct few, the right ones, the victors? What are the lines that we think we can draw that the Lord has overcome? This morning, we have this woman who is beyond all of those lines coming to report to us the good news of God who's come to rescue us. May we hear her invitation. May we hear his words of life. And may we sense the tug of that spirit to bring us into his presence at his table this morning. Amen. Let's take a moment of silence and invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.